Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. And this week we're here to tell you all of the rumors for the upcoming Apple event launch which is now expected to be September 12th. So excited. It's really, it's feeling very exciting because this is the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. As you probably all know, we've been talking about this for a while. And so this is expected to be a big event. So we're gonna unpack all of the latest rumors to help you know what to expect. Uh, And as usual, we'll also talk to you about the top tips, best apps, and great gear in the iOS world. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, First, we want to tell you about our sponsor, Qmatics. David right now has Qmatics product on his iPhone, and so you can tell us about it. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about uh, this a little bit later in the podcast when we get to complaints and learning, but I broke my screen the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I got a new screen on my phone. I'll get into that later. But when I got the new screen on my phone, I put Qmatic Screen Protector on. And this is a really innovative product. It's really cool. And basically what it is, it's a liquid screen protector. And what it does is it uses nanoparticles uh, and it it gets in, like you when you apply it, it uh, gets in between the molecules of the glass to strengthen it. Uh, that's my super sciency explanation <laughs> of it. I don't really understand how it works, but what I do know is that it does work. And what it does is it makes your uh, screen protector as hard as sapphire. So it makes it really hard, uh, and it also makes it uh, scratch resistant and anti microbial is that the word i'm looking for yeah uh so it's really interesting sciencey here at this podcast all the way sciencey uh and basically what you do when you get your uh phone and you get the screen protector is you basically all you do is you first you clean it and then it comes with a wipe and you apply it on and it's just a liquid you let it sit for five minutes and then you polish it and you're done uh and what's cool about it is because it's hard to like it's hard when I look at it to know, is it as hard as Sapphire or not? So what Qmatics has done to assure you that it is in fact working is they have a guarantee and they will pay to replace, they will pay up to $100 to replace your screen if you so break cool. it. I mean, it cost me like 150 bucks last time I replaced my screen on the 7 Plus. This is true. Uh, so that being said, I don't know any other glass screen protector that will pay you a hundred bucks if you break your screen. So right. I, you and I have both had bodyguards screen protectors on our screens before and broken our screens with it. I mean, I don't want to single out bodyguards. I've had other brands as well that and have broken my screen. Yeah. But I have my, a talent. This is true, uh, <laughs> as do I, clearly. But my point is this. Uh, a, if you have a glass screen protector, you still should likely have a case. But B, none of those other companies are giving you $100 to replace your screen if it breaks. So Qmatics does that. It strengthens your screen. Uh, It costs, oh God, this is where I try to stumble into it. I think, Uh, do you have it? We'll include a link to it. Okay, we'll include a link to it. But yeah, I mean, I feel like Qmatics must not have this happen that often, that screens are breaking or else that would not be an effective business model for them. So it, it does, that reassures me that it's a... It's a good product. Exactly. And it's really cool because with the glass screen protectors, uh, the phones have a tapered edge. And so you end up having this weird little line where the glass screen protector is because this is 
a liquid application that just strengthens the glass that's already there, you don't have any of that. Mm -hmm. So it strengthens right. your existing screen, you have the protection of their guarantee, uh, and it's antimicrobial. So it's really great product, uh, really innovative. Uh, check them out, go to iphonelife.com slash podcast to check it out. That's right. Uh, next, we want to tell you about our tip of the day newsletter. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up for a daily newsletter that will deliver a quick iPhone tip to your inbox each day that just takes a minute to read and you'll have discovered something hopefully new and exciting that you didn't know you could do with one of your iOS devices. So it's not just your iPhone, also your iPad and Apple Watch and occasionally Apple TV. And I've been harping on this a lot lately, mm. but this is the time of year if you aren't already subscribed you can't live without it because iOS 11 is coming out. Right. That for your iPad, that's huge. For your iPhone, that's huge. For the Apple Watch, all mm. of these new devices are going to be new to you. Like even if you just update your operating system, you're not going to know how to use it. We're going to walk you through a minute a day how to use that device. So make sure you check it out. Yes. So uh, we want each episode we share one of our uh, tips that we've been really enjoying. So this one is how it's a hidden trick for viewing the desktop version of a site on uh, your iPhone. And so, you know, on your iPhone, usually you like the sort of pared down, simplified websites that companies serve up because, you know, it it's a smaller screen. You just want to be able to tap around easily. But sometimes the, there are options of websites that aren't available in the mobile version. Right. And yeah. that can be very annoying. Yeah. So with this tip, if, next time you're in Safari, if you press and hold the refresh icon, so that's to the right of the URL bar, there, there's that little circular arrow. And so if you just press and hold that, a little option will pop up that says request desktop version. Just tap that and you're taken to the desktop version of the site. And so you'll have the full menu of options even though, in general, uh, this is not my preferred way to view. It can yeah. come in really handy oh, when you need so it. so handy. You know, like, I don't know about you guys, but at this point, like, I bought my house using my iPhone. Mm -hmm. I do my taxes <laughs> on my iPhone. And so when you're talking about accessing those sites that are, like, really secure and you have to log in and stuff, there's often a lot of options for managing your accounts, like, for instance, with my health insurance, you know, that I just can't access even on, you know, definitely not in their apps and not even on their uh, mobile sites. So this just becomes really useful the more of your life becomes like done on your phone. Yeah, yeah, I use this all the time. And it's exactly the reason that you're saying, which is that in order to make something look mobile friendly, you can't display as much information. And so everybody, every web developer for every website is choosing what information to display and what isn't so important. And most of the time that's fine, but every once in a while there's something that you want to do that is displayed on desktop that isn't displayed on mobile. And so this is a workaround for that. Um, yeah. It's particularly, I find it particularly useful for B2B software type stuff. Like if you want to log in to, uh, you know, Google Analytics, for example, or like you said, banking, health insurance, things where you kind of have a huge number of things you need to manage often the mobile versions of the site aren't as good mm -hmm. and so it's just and it can be really frustrating it can be really frustrating there's one service we use where you go to uh you go to their website and the login button isn't there and so you have to request the desktop version to just see the login <laughs> button which drives me wow. crazy but it's a really useful tip to know if you're ever on a website and you're like oh i know i can do this thing but i don't see it request the desktop version. Yeah, yeah, I've also had this happen with online shopping, doing refunds. A lot of times websites yeah. don't have the full like, refund information on their mobile site. 
So you have to request a desktop version to do that. So yeah, this is, we're always looking out for you guys and we help you find tips that make your life easier. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to get our free newsletter. The one thing I will say about this tip, because I've had this happen to me, usually unlike on a desktop where you have a bunch of tabs open and you can see it clearly, on an iPhone, I often am not aware what tab I'm in. And so sometimes I'll, I'll request a desktop version of a site and then I will then from there navigate to a different site. Now I use Chrome and not Safari. What do you guys use? I use Safari, yeah. Okay, so I don't know if it's the same on Safari. On Chrome, uh, when I go to a different site, it just keeps me in desktop view mode. And so I get, sometimes I'll accidentally get stuck in desktop mode. So it's something mm -hmm. to be aware of to navigate out of that tab if you're uh, in desktop view mode to get back to normal mode. I mean, I'll have to close to, out that tab. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to try that, but I do know that that's the same thing in Safari with private browsing. Mm -hmm. If you're ever using an incognito window for whatever reason, if you don't switch out of private browsing mode when you close Safari, when you open it up again, like say you press on a link just to open it and it opens Safari automatically, then you end up in private browsing mode, <laughs> which isn't always handy. I was in private browsing mode for like a year. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. It's, not it's always annoying. Funny because like, you know, you'll often have like your login info saved and if you're in private browsing mode, you won't be able to access you'll have to like you'll be like, Why is it making me log into this website again? It's because yeah. you're in private browsing mode. Yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. It, it, I have I've had the exact same experience where like all of a sudden I'll be Googling something and I like can't read the text and it's because I'm actually in desktop mode or something. So it is good to be aware, every once in a while to look at the tabs you have open, close out all your tabs, and also to make sure you're not on incognito mode or <laughs> in desktop mode. Can I derail us for a second and talk about why do you guys use Safari and like the pros and cons of Safari versus Chrome? Sure. Um, it's funny because I use Chrome on desktop, uh -huh. but I find that just because Safari is the default browser on your phone and it... I don't know. It's just something I never really like took the trouble to change. I right. don't have a full breakdown of like what's better or worse. Okay. About it's it. mostly like Safari has worked just fine for me, and so I haven't so bothered bother. to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think for me, um, Safari. My understanding is Safari on the iPhone is actually faster. So I don't know that I necessarily recommend Chrome, even though I use it. What I like about Chrome, though, is because I'm a Chrome user for my browser for my desktop computer. I'm pointing in my office, you guys. If you're watching that, the anyway. Uh, uh, then all my passwords are synced over, whereas I don't use Safari, so I don't have all my passwords, all my autofill information. Really? Because I'm logged into Google on Safari because I like Google is my homepage, and so it's it's all saved anyway, and I can even see the browsers I have open on my computer, even though I use Chrome on my work computer. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's possible. No, my passwords, like, because I have so many passwords that aren't Google passwords that just aren't synced across them for whatever reason. And so, yeah, I just, I've, to me, using I've Chrome I've been embracing is Safari Keychain. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's a good argument to go with Chrome because I feel like it is annoying that I, I, I don't have a good handle on where my different passwords are saved. Like, sometimes passwords will auto-fill for me and sometimes they won't. And I'm yeah. sure if I just used Chrome across everything, well, it would be better. I find if I'm logged into Google, it's fine. Hmm. Yeah, the main reason that I um, use Chrome on my desktop site is because they have all those great options for inspecting, like, images and doing, like, there's a lot of, like, cool things that you can do with Chrome that you can't really, I don't wouldn't really do on on my iPhones, that's part of the reason I never used it either, is like yeah. some of those extra tools that Chrome has, I, I don't really need for mobile. 
But the know. password thing is a good reason. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I just haven't had that experience where that everything would still auto-generate on um, on Safari even if I have Google open, a Google page open. I don't know. To be honest, I don't really work on my phone unless like, <laughs> I have to because I'm, you know, away right. from everything. But there's like a giant typo on the home page or something. In which case, I pull out my awesome foldable Connects multi-sync keyboard. It's so awesome <laughs> to be able to use a keyboard with your iPhone when you have to try and do something that's not just like tapping and swiping mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm. So Maybe that should be our question of the day. We should ask, you do go. you use Safari or Chrome on your iPhone and why? You can email podcasts at iphonelife.com to let us know. So moving on, we want to tell you about our Insider subscription. iPhone Life Insider is our premium subscription that really helps you get an education in your iOS devices. You, you'll learn a comprehensive uh, walkthrough of your iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, um, Apple TV even we have a guide for. And coming out in two weeks, we have our iOS 11 guide, so you'll learn everything that Apple has released with the new operating system for your iPhone and iPad. It's so exciting because, <laughs> you know, like you can figure out a lot of things. Some things aren't obvious and you won't figure them out. But, like, we've already figured it all out and put it into a guide so you can just, like, follow through the guide and actually become a master of iOS 11 right away without all the, like, effort and guessing. And I'm, Yeah. I mean, we spend all year working with our phones, and I'm constantly discovering new things that right. my phone can do. As you guys know, in our section we talk about, you know, the things we discovered from our phone, and this is a shortcut for that. You can spend all year trying to figure out what iOS 11 is, or you can subscribe to iPhone Life Insider, and we'll teach you everything right away. Plus you get an iPad guide, plus you get an Apple TV guide, plus you get a daily video every day with a one minute tip. So it's really a no brainer. Yeah. And a digital subscription to the magazine. Yes, thank you. And uh, so we have a feature also called Ask an Editor where if you're having a tech question that hasn't been answered in one of our videos or you don't feel like you know looking through our videos, you can just email Sarah and she'll help walk you through the problem and find solutions. Uh, (laughs) Except for today. Yeah. Uh uh, (laughs) Today she has a question to share from an insider. And this one was, it's a little bit more of a complaints and learning because it's one where Apple doesn't have an awesome solution for for this person. Right. And so I wanted to share this question because, you know, usually I can find an answer and I don't really think there's a good answer for this, but I wanted to discuss it and also open it up to our listeners because I know a lot of you have the same issue or have come up with workarounds. Um, So here's what this uh, insider says. I'm a meeting planner with thousands of contacts, many more than Apple supports. While Apple will take one and a half minutes to find a contact using integration, composing an email or composing a message, a third-party program, full contact, finds my contacts in nanoseconds. Is there any way I can have my iPhone point to full contact and eliminate Apple's native contacts? So basically, this this insider wants to make full contact his default contact so that he doesn't have to go through any like extra steps and just never have to use Apple's contacts mm-hmm. again. And unfortunately, you you can't do that. Like Apple hasn't made that possible. And um, you know, you could try deleting the contacts app, but you know what will happen is every time you go to do something that involves a contact, Apple will do, pop up a little window and interrupt what you're doing and say, hey, maybe you should re-download the contacts really? app from the oh App Store. God. Yeah. So like people have found that when they've deleted some of these stock apps. So 
you know, it sounds like what he's, he is able to access them. It happens quickly, but there's clearly like multiple steps in between. Um, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what do you guys think? Like, I, I felt like it doesn't usually happen that I can't do a bunch of Googling and research and talk to people who know and, and find an answer. But this is one of those areas where Apple really hates making third-party app integration really yeah, easy. Yeah, Apple and their walled garden, right? I guess my I, I don't have an answer for you other than to ask, is there a reason why he can't just in his user behavior uh, use full contact instead of the contacts app? Like, can't he just, instead of going to the contacts well, app, go about, to full contact? Well, think about, for instance, if someone texts you a phone number and you press on it and you get the option to save it to contacts and create a new contact or add it to an existing contact, you don't get the option to do that to a third-party app. You'd probably have to copy and paste it or something. Yeah. You know, like, there's just, like, that little extra. And if you're managing huge numbers of contacts, that sort of, those extra steps, like... Yeah. Now, what Apple does allow you to do is it does allow the third-party app to access the contacts. Right, app. of course. So I'm assuming that if you enter, you can enter things into the contacts app and then full contact will have that information. Right. But what he's mm. saying is that integration is really slow. Okay. And also, I guess, I didn't realize there was necessarily a maximum number of contacts in Apple, I don't know that there necessarily is, but he's clearly at a point where it's, it well. yeah. where the phone is like, ah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, yeah. but I have heard. I just don't know. That, about no, I just contact. don't have that many like friends. I guess. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't use my contacts app very often, if ever. Yeah, well, it's but since it's already built into your phone app, like I use it that way. Yeah, and that's exactly. also an annoying thing. If you delete the contacts app, that's still gonna be in your phone app. So. And, and I think that's a little bit of what he's dealing with. Yeah, yeah, I never go to my contacts app. I will go to my phone app and then look up a phone number, right. or I will go to my email app and then like and then pull up right. an email. Yeah. But I if I think you I could if I were so inclined instead of that behavior just always start by going to my contacts app and then create an email or a phone call or a text message from that app. From it's the not, Yeah, app, and it's yeah. not ideal, but it seems like that's a yeah. pretty good workaround. It's yeah. clearly that's what he's already doing, and he's yeah. hoping that he can just Do make, it, yeah. make it the default. You know? Yeah. And I feel like Apple should really make that more possible. I agree. You know, that is that is the main reason a lot of people use Android. It's definitely, like, Apple has its reasons, but it's mm. definitely... A big downside. Yeah. Well, and Apple has, it, it shows that it's possible too, that Apple has made it possible when you're saving a document or something like that, you'll, or sharing things, there's like different options of apps to share it to now. That isn't something Apple used to do that much. Mm -hmm. And so it does seem like it would be pretty easy for Apple, like when you press and hold a, con a phone number or something like that for option, more options to pop up to save it to different apps that yeah. would support it. So yeah. that yeah. does seem like app, something and Apple might do in the future because they do it in other areas. Like they, they are slowly getting better about working with third-party apps, I think. Right. I mean, uh, there seems to be some kind of integration. I'm not personally familiar with full contacts. Like I said, I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have friends or whatever. I don't know. But, um, so, but it's apparently very, very slow for him. And yeah, that's a hassle. That's, I mean, a minute and a half, he may be exaggerating, but I know, I even like, like more than a couple real? seconds is 
outrageous and maddening. So if any of our listeners have found solutions for this sort of thing, or if they think that, you know, our insiders should just switch to Android, you can also email (laughs) us. Or if you want to share your own frustrations with this kind of situation, you know, like the more people complain, eventually Apple listens. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, send us an email podcast at iPhoneLife.com. All right. Next up, we want to move into the Apple event rumors. So before we do, I actually wanted to talk about we have a correction from our previous podcast. Oh, okay. So in a previous podcast, I had mentioned that in CarPlay, Hey Siri does not work for me. Now I have an aftermarket unit. It's a Pioneer unit. I love my aftermarket uh, CarPlay display. I definitely recommend it if you have an older car and you're on the road a lot. Uh, but apparently my Hey Siri not working is related to the aftermarket unit. This person emailed in and said, Hey Siri works for them. So I don't oh. know. They, I don't think they mentioned what car they had. Uh, but apparently Hey Siri does work for CarPlay on select units. So that's a good correction for you all uh, yeah. and for me. Well, it's definitely something if you're planning to, if you're trying to decide what unit to get, that's definitely something to yeah, research. yeah. That, I know. I'm glad to hear that correction because I feel like that would be how I would want to use CarPlay the most. Yeah. Well, and the, <laughs> the other thing with CarPlay that I, I am, to be honest, a little unclear about. Most CarPlay units I've seen, or all of them that I've seen, you have to dock your phone. Mm. Now I've heard that the newer units you don't have to do that. It's Bluetooth connected, which is a really big difference because it is like. You don't think of it as a hassle, but every time you get in your car, you have to like put your phone in the dock, yeah. plug it in, and you have to wait for it to connect and all that stuff. Uh, so that's another thing to when you are selecting CarPlay units to look into whether or not they do allow a Bluetooth option. Now, be careful with that though, because my Pioneer unit allows Bluetooth, so I can connect Bluetooth to my phone, but it can't run CarPlay unless it's docked. So if they say it allows Bluetooth, make sure you know that it can run CarPlay over Mm. Bluetooth. Good to know. Very good to know. Okay. Moving right along here. So while we originally assumed Apple would be announcing the new iPhone right after Labor Day like they did last year, uh, the Wall Street Journal came out with a report recently saying that the event's going to be happening September 12th. So we have to wait a little bit longer than usual for the Apple announcement. We still have not gotten any event um, invites from Apple yet. So... That could be happening even, you know, as we're recording now. So <laughs> It and, seems to be relatively confirmed. I've seen a number of sources mm-hmm, confirming the September right. 12th date. Yeah, I so, think last week uh, there was like a rumor reported by a French website, uh, like Max Forever or something, basically citing carrier sources that they'd been told to be ready for the announcement on the 12th. And that's okay. where the first rumors came from. Mm. And so, and now it's just you know, getting stronger and stronger, but nothing is set in stone until we get that invitation. Yes, it's true. And, um, you know, Apple usually has their event noon central time, and so we're in Iowa here, so we're, we're always tuning in central time. What, if you go to iPhoneLife.com, we'll be having updates on how to stream the event, how to cover, how to follow our live coverage, because we'll be, as everything's announced from Apple, we'll be posting articles on our websites um, with live analysis of what's being announced so and we'll be tweeting if you mind. just want like snarky comments <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we'll have a podcast immediately after the event uh going over everything that happened in the event and giving you some editorial coverage of it one of the things we try to do yeah. here at iphone life is not just tell you what happened but also give you our kind of hot takes of 
what, how you should feel about it, what devices you should or shouldn't get, all of that stuff. So definitely make sure you tune in pre-coverage for all the rumor roundups. We're going to give you the latest rumor roundup now, but tune in for even latest news up until the event and tune in right afterwards for all of our coverage. Yeah, and especially we're going to be having a fun David versus Sarah debate about whether or not to buy the new devices. Um, I feel like I win every time, no matter what position I take. Yeah. It's funny you feel that. And we had one Other people feel that way too, David. Oh, okay. We had one listener weigh in at one point being like, I'm disturbed that anyone at iPhone Life wouldn't be buying the new device because the debate is whether or not to buy it. And just to clarify with that, we're we're thinking about you guys definitely at iPhone Life we're all super into the new devices and also need them to do our jobs properly. Right. But we were taking the stance, if just for the average person, even if you do love Apple, is this worth the money? Because a lot of times Apple devices are not cheap. Yes. <laughs> They're never cheap. <laughs> They're never it's cheap. a good clarification because every year we get emails from people not only annoyed that we're not getting devices, which of course we are, mm-hmm. but we get emails from people who feel like, why would we say anything negative about Apple? <laughs> we actually, in I'm assuming most of our listeners know this by now, we are an independent publisher. We are yeah. not associated with Apple. We, of course, love Apple's devices, but that doesn't mean that every device is right for every person. And that doesn't mean that including Apple gets... Including us. Including us. And that doesn't mean that Apple gets everything right all the time. So we try to give you our honest feedback about all things apple related all yeah. apple devices and all the accessories so definitely uh don't don't look to us to be purely fanboys and fangirls we definitely do geek out about this stuff but we also try to try to let you know the downsides of all the all the stuff too exactly yeah so speaking of high prices the iphone 8 is expected to, to start at a thousand dollars uh, That's a bit steep. But I mean, definitely, you know, the carriers subsidize the iPhones. Usually you're not going to pay that all up front unless you decide to buy it directly from Apple. So this is one of those tricky <laughs> marketing areas for Apple. Now, this is a price increase. But what's happened over the last couple years is that the model with which people sell, the carriers sell iPhones has shifted. Mm-hmm. It used to be that the carriers would subsidize the phones and then they would charge you more for your uh, monthly service. Yeah. So you would pay $299 or $199 for a phone, but then you're paying $60, $70 a month to have unlimited talk and text. Now what they've done is, well, uh, just in reality, those phones always costed $650 or $750. So you were paying less out of pocket, but you were making up the difference in your monthly plan. Sometimes, actually, after you factored in the monthly plan, over time, you were paying more than if you'd paid up front. You really were. It, this was not... The shift is positive. And what they've done now is they've decoupled this. So they charge you less for your monthly plan, and then they charge you for the phone for the full price, but then they do uh, what we were just talking about, where they will divide that into monthly payments for you. Mm-hmm. So often what ends up happening is, A, you pay less out of pocket up front because they'll subsidize the full price of the phone over the period of two years. And B, uh, they charge you less for your talk and text service. And so it all ends up not only being a wash, but you often end up saving a little bit of money. But the downside is for Apple, rather than coming out and saying this phone costs a 
$199, they're saying this phone costs $700, $800, and now it might be $1,000. And it is an increase. $1,000 has a really high sticker price, but they've always been expensive. Is that like $1,000 for the base model, you know? Because I'm sure it's like the 16 gigabyte version. They always talk, well... Which don't get. It's 32 now is the base model. But uh, still, 32 is not much. (laughs) It's definitely expensive. Uh, but it's always been expensive. Is my point. This phone, I think, is my. I have the seven plus. I think it's like eight fifty at the base model. Yeah, it's a lot. So. I, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I so let's get into some out. of the other rumors yeah. that are uh, a little more exciting. We have Face ID. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we talked about this last episode because this rumor was just starting to gain some strength. But so most likely, the iPhone will be able to detect your face even when it's laying flat on a table. Um, and an interesting rumor said that the Touch ID will not be gone, but it will now be on the back of the phone. Yeah, that seems to be the latest rumor. I'm all that's the way weird. excited How, about like, this. That's like, because your thumb doesn't naturally go that way. But the nice thing about it is, well, you don't have to use your thumb. Is Touch ID is great, yes, you do. and um, <laughs> Touch ID is now really effective. And so, if uh-huh. Face ID has any problems, uh, it'll be nice to still have Touch ID as a backup method. Yeah, exactly. I just made it sound like birth control. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. The iPhone can do a lot of things. <laughs> but uh, the nice thing about having Touch ID on the back of the phone, too, is it will allow there to be a completely open screen, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, exactly. An edge-to-edge display. Um, we're expecting it to be OLED. Which OLED is really nice. Like, when I've gone, every year we go to CES, and I look at the latest televisions, and they have like the 4K and they have the OLED. And to me, OLED makes a bigger difference than the 4K does. Um, really? Yeah. And so just to give a little bit of a kind of what OLED is, uh, and this is going to be a very non-technical description. Sorry, guys. More sciencyness. I'm going to be super sciencey for you. So basically, how it, how I, my understanding is normal LED screens has a backlight display, and then it has a pixel in front. That is can, that can filter that display to be different colors, whereas OLED the actual display, each pixel lights up or doesn't light up on its own. So the difference is on LED, even if you have if you have a, a black that's displaying on your screen, on an LED a little bit of light light leaks through and it's not all the way black. Whereas hmm. on OLED you can get a perfect black. And so you end up with a lot crisper contrast. It's a lot, the display to me looks way crisper on an OLED. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I I don't, didn't understand the technical side of it too, but definitely going around at CES and seeing some of the OLED displays on the TVs and different things like that, it was a huge difference. You know, Donna and David left CES before I did, and I spent my last afternoon there just wandering around the TVs, and I don't even watch television hardly. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, wow. Yeah, and to me, that's the most exciting kind of breakthrough in television and screens is OLED. So I'm really excited for it to come to the iPhone because, yeah, you don't need to understand my science explanation. Clearly, I don't understand my science explanation. <laughs> but the point being, it allows you to have a true black and allows you to have greater contrast displays and greater ranges of color. Yeah, which which Samsung phones have had for a while. Probably. So there is a little bit of a, you know, there are probably Android people who are feeling snarky about this, but it is... It is something that's new for iPhone users, and I'm excited about it as well. And that, coupled with an edge-to-edge display and no to- no Touch ID button on the front, is definitely going to make it way better for media viewing. I'm really excited, too, just to back up for the, what's it called, Face 
unlock face ID? I mean, face ID is what we were calling it, okay. but Pearl ID is what it was being called in the HomePod uh, soft firmware, so I don't know. Okay, well, I'm excited for it because not only uh, does it mean you can have a full edge-to-edge -edge display, but it also, like, with the uh, Touch ID, you ha even though it's really accurate now and really quick, you still have to touch your thumb or finger to it and wait a split second, whereas Face ID... I, I would think could just unlock your phone instantly without you having to do anything. So that yeah. seems really promising to me, assuming it works. I don't it like works. it when my phone unlocks when I don't want it to. Do I have to like hide I'm my <laughs> There's probably a way to turn off the feature, I'm imagining, uh, if you don't want to use it. but <laughs> Or maybe the 7S or 7S Plus would be right for you, because we should talk about that too. Apple's expected to have three phones, the iPhone 8 being the, the premium version, and the 7S and 7S Plus having a couple of the exciting new features. What I was seeing is that it will have the glass back, like I the iPhone 8, not. which people yeah, are not excited about. I'm not excited about um, it. And that'll have wireless charging. So one I'm thing about the glass about back is that I'm guessing there might be like around the side still be some aluminum to give it some strength. Mm -hmm. mm. But um, and we also don't know what they're actually going to be called. We're just like all making it up. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. I wonder, will it be glass or sapphire? I wonder if they're going to use a really hard material don't you, don't that isn't going to break. We would have heard rumors, though, about like supply chain stuff. I do think so. I, yeah. yeah. One thing I'm curious about is whether the most, the premium iPhone 8 will have special AR kit capabilities. Yeah. Um, do you have you guys heard anything about that? I mean, no. I mean, it makes sense. That, like the seven plus has like the better camera. Like it has. Yeah. It, it seems like, especially because if if they only make one model more expensive, you know, it's going to be the premium iPhone eight, and so they're uh -huh. going to have to. Besides it being the tenth anniversary special edition, they're going to have to give it some special features that make people want it. Yeah, I mean, definitely the better the edge to edge display, OLED. Um, I'm going to be so mad if, like, be... the features I really want are going to be on the expensive, they like, have to wait for months of phone. Of course they will. Well, wireless, they charge, will. I'm still wireless mad. charging is big, though. That's yeah. something that a lot right. of people have been waiting for for a long time, and that's expected to come to everything. But Apple, I was reading that Apple is going to make it an exclusive system. So if you have, like, for instance... My husband has a car that has wireless charging, has like a wireless charging pad in the oh, center, but like you won't be able to use that. You have to buy Apple's special proprietary, yeah, yeah, expensive wireless charging pad, and so that's pretty frustrating. That is frustrating, and I will like we've been not saying, surprising. There is the all a lot of the features we've been talking about are playing catch up to the Android, which is an interesting trend that you know mm. Samsung has edge to edge display. They've had wireless charging for years now. Uh, I think a lot of the phones do un have a Face ID type feature. Now, yeah. what Apple's strength the is... The Sam latest Samsung one does have Face ID. Yeah, Apple's strength has always been getting the features right as yeah. opposed to being first. So maybe it'll be better than Samsung. We have to wait and see. But so far, I haven't heard any a lot of things that are like Apple's going to push the bar much further forward beyond where Android already is, which is a little disappointing. Yeah. And that's why I'm curious about augmented reality, because Apple, like Tim Cook, has said a lot of things about being really excited about augmented reality, and that Apple seems to be like acting like they're going to be doing exciting, innovating, innovative things in that area. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how that's going to play out. My feeling is, I mean, they did a lot of stuff in uh, WWDC around augmented reality, yeah. and so I'm, sh I'm assuming they're building towards it. But even if they do release something... 
it's not there yet. I don't think augmented reality is ready for mainstream. I don't think we will all be wearing augmented reality glasses or goggles at work next year or anything like that. So while they probably will make progress on that, I don't think it'll be a major part of their announcement. You don't think they're going to announce like a VR headset or No, anything? I think they might. I just don't think people will care that much. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. Oculus is struggling right now. People are struggling to find ways to integrate this into everyday life. And so... I think they will. I think it'll get some hype, but I don't think it's what everyday users will care about. So you're probably wondering when you can get the iPhone 8. Usually it's a week after the announcement that you can start pre-ordering and a week after that that you actually can get begin getting the phone. But this has been a pretty consistent rumor that Apple is having some supply issues with the iPhone 8 and that they're going to have a very limited supply at first, at least. At least with the, like, when you're saying iPhone 8, you're meaning the premium model that's rumored? <laughs> yes, the premium the premium model, they're having some issues, apparently, in the supply chain, and that only a limited number are going to be available at, at first. Well, so what? if you really want it, you're probably going to want to pre-order on that day as soon as possible. What I've heard is, is the edge-to-edge display they're having difficulty with, and hmm. so... That's to be expected. Often when Apple releases a kind of a more, a bigger iteration on a, on a device, mm -hmm. they do have a little bit more delays in getting enough units out because it does affect the supply chain more. Also, I feel like whenever they're releasing, like when they went to the Plus, you know, it, it didn't really catch on right away. Like they had some shortages just because I feel like they were being cautious about how many they produced. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's possible too. So in our next episode, once we've heard from Apple, we'll also help you decide. In, that will be a factor in probably whether or not you want to buy this phone of how long are you willing to wait, how much are you willing to pay, all of that. So tune in after the announcement on September 12th, assuming that that's what Apple ends up doing. So we also want to talk to you guys about the Apple Watch and Apple TV because Apple is expected to not only release these three new iPhones, but also an updated Apple TV, a 4K Apple TV, and a cellular-enabled Apple Watch. So uh, these are other pretty exciting rumors. We'll also be hearing more about the HomePod, I'm sure, because mm -hmm. we had somewhat of a um, just very mu music-focused uh, introduction to the HomePod at WWDC, so hopefully we'll hear some more about that too. But uh, I know that the cellular-enabled Apple Watch Sarah is especially excited about, so I wanted to give you a chance to <laughs> I mean, talk about that. <laughs> I'm mostly excited because I feel like it will make the Series 2 way cheaper, and then I can like get right. a watch. Because I'm still using the original Apple Watch, and to be honest, I've been testing a bunch of fitness trackers lately, and this is still so much more superior. Yeah, it's great. But I want to swim, and I want a GPS chip, and... To be honest, because I work at iPhone Life, if they release a Series 3 with cellular chip, I will probably get it just so I can have the latest one and talk about it and yeah. get right tips about it. Um, one thing that's interesting is they're saying, the rumors are saying that the cellular-enabled Apple Watch won't be able to make phone calls. Like, you'll be able to use it for data, but you won't be able to do independent phone calls, at least not at first. That's stupid. Huh. Yeah. So for data, I'm trying to think of, like, what third-party apps. I mean, the only way I would be using third-party apps more on my Apple Watch is if it's a lot faster because right now it's frustrating. I'm, I've am i gotten spoiled. I feel like it brings me back to the early yeah. days of the iPhone where yeah, you had to yeah, wait yeah, yeah. like for load time and so well, hopefully still, that would be improved as well. There's going to be like a faster processor. It will be faster. There will be better battery life. There better be much better battery life. I mean, yeah. if you're talking about like yeah. an LTE chip, you know, it's supposed to be 4G, so... 
you're going to need some battery life. And all those awesome like watch OS 4 features that I'm really excited about, those aren't going to be awesome unless you have good battery life. I, I, this I'm, is pretty exciting, though, because if they're, if they're giving the capability to do all those things with your watch, I'm assuming they are going to have all the things in place in order for it to be a good experience, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went on record last podcast as saying I don't care about having data on my Apple Watch. The only time I ever don't have my phone with me when I'm out and about is when I am exercising or I don't want have my phone with me when well, I'm out and about. You know, yeah. I kind of feel, I don't like that I wouldn't be able to make a phone call because to be honest, you know, when you're a woman running alone, like yeah. you need to be able, I mean, yeah. well, pretty much anyone, like what if you get hurt? But you need to be able to call someone, you yeah. know, that's, that's a big part of why I bring my phone. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. A phone call seems like one of the few things that like if you need, if you're in an emergency and you don't have your phone and you have your Apple Watch on you, it would be really nice. I have had to call. I've injured myself running by myself and I did have to call someone to come pick me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, if it's not an emergency, something like that, uh, presumably you could send a text. So you have that option. But it does seem stupid to pay because you're presumably paying for a data plan. To be yeah. to pay for a data plan and not be able to make phone calls seems weird. Well, especially yeah. because I know so they're saying just not at first, or why wouldn't it be able? Because like I right really now you can already know. make calls on your Apple Watch. I really, I, mean, I really don't know what the logic is. I think there's some reason, but yeah, it just I was like that's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm also, I I don't know why I'm just a little bit of a pessimist today, but I'm also not particularly excited about a 4K t, uh, 4K Apple TV. I do not care at all. Yeah, I mean... So, why? Well, first of all, I don't have a 4K TV, so a little right. bit selfish. But partly, I don't have a... F- I actually like 4K. When I, again, when we went to CES, I saw the displays. I was very impressed by them. They're pretty but amazing. But it hasn't really reached the mainstream yet. There's not a lot of content out there for me to watch in 4K. And so, therefore, uh, I don't need a 4k tv and i don't need a 4k apple tv yet now i'm excited about it in the sense of following the industry like kind of bigger picture yeah because this is one of the pieces that needs to fall into place for content to be made in 4k and i'm excited about that trend but until 4k content is being made i likely won't purchase it right but you know i feel like apple often they're thinking that far ahead and so they're adding and perfecting these features so that they're ready when when the market's ready. Yeah, there's no doubt that it's the right move for Apple. It's just not an exciting move for me personally <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, I just but don't also, care. you know what is exciting about the Apple TV? What? The Amazon video app. Is it finally yeah. coming? It's I mean, supposed to come. It was supposed to come this summer. I thought the, they said it. Yeah, yeah. WWDC. very substantial rumor. Yeah, so that will be... That will be exciting for the Apple TV. Technically, it's still summer because it's before, like, the equinox, but they're really pushing <laughs> they're that. They're pushing the boundaries of summer. The <laughs> other thing I'm interested in is um, Apple just came out recently and saying they're investing a billion dollars in creating um, exclusive content, yeah, TV content. I'm really interested and in that. And so I think that happened really recently after our last episode, so we didn't talk about that. But, I mean, that's not going to be something that's going to – you know, come to fruition probably for at least another year until we start seeing some of this content, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I don't know. But um, but I'm just curious how that's going to relate to the Apple TV being released, if they're going to be talking about that much, like if you're, you know, the kind of content you're going to be able to view with this new Apple TV. I don't, 
I don't know. I feel like one of the interesting trends happening in the industry is for a really long time we've been talking about will Apple be able to partner with the with the um, content distributors to be able to have a cable solution for Apple TV. And one of the things that's interesting that's happened is it's actually becoming less and less important because there's fewer and fewer things that you need cable for. Yeah. Uh. Now is now it's getting into a, the unfortunate situation where there are a lot of different providers that have exclusive content and you have to choose or subscribe to them all. And it yeah. seems like that's the way it's going No, now. and it, that is... It's it, more important than cable. Like, do you want to get Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, and all the and rest? it's hard to get all of them. It's expensive. And you oh, still well, don't get sports. Yeah. It was funny. My daughter was telling me that uh, she has a Hulu account. And I was like, cool, give me your password. She's like, well, actually, it's my college friend's, like... 30-year-old brother's Hulu yeah. account. And I'm like, and how many people have that password? And she's like, a lot. And I'm like, how many people have my Netflix password? And she's like, uh. <laughs> no, it's so, on a weird I'm so happy thing, to be yeah. providing Netflix to all the college students my daughter knows. But um, <laughs> yeah, there needs to be like a bundling of subscriptions or for, something. I, I do pay for my HBO account now, but for a while I was using my friend's former college roommate's uh <laughs> boyfriend's father's account. <laughs> That's amazing. I never I'm, met them. Like, it was they so They probably had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what were you saying, though? Sorry, I feel like oh, I totally interrupted you. What I was saying is it makes me intrigued for Apple to produce content because it's getting to a place where it doesn't really matter to, to consumers where the content is being made. It doesn't have to be an HBO show or a Fox show. Right. If it's a good show, people will watch it. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very fragmented now, which feels unsustainable. It feels like at some point we're going to have to have a solution to pull in all of that content uh, from all the different sources, which Apple TV hopefully Apple can hopefully manage. But I'm curious to see if Apple can pull off content because they're not a content company. They never have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So this I found I'm excited about yeah. this possibility. I don't really know that it's it's necessarily that related to Apple TV at this point because if they're just now starting to invest in this area, that's not going to affect Apple TV owners for a while. But it'll but, be interesting. Yeah, to and me, they that's have a much... Mon- they have a lot of money. That's more exciting than 4K, <laughs> though. Because yeah. I agree with you, in order to benefit from that, you need to have a 4K TV and find 4K content, mm-hmm. which, like, not that much is 4K yet. Yeah. So, um, yeah. There's still a lot to be excited about. Uh, with all of these new product lineups, we're, we're going to be in for a lot of analysis at this next podcast (laughs) yeah it's gonna be and we'll probably do a a full hour show for you all and do full analysis on all of these things yeah all right so moving into our complaints and learning segment um i mean this is like not at all a new complaint but i just went on a trip to colorado and i brought my laptop and my iphone with me and i found it very annoying that um i couldn't use the same headphones to plug into yeah. my yes, I had that experience this weekend too. To plug into my laptop and iPhone, and I mean, it was. This is really the only place that I've run into a problem because I have headphones that work with my iPhone with a Lightning connector, and I have headphones, and so I have those both available at the office and at home. But I didn't think to pack them yeah, both when you're when traveling. traveling. Right. It's just like. Why? And I, yeah. I didn't bring my dongle with me. Oh, so that happened to me dongle. too because I have the like, <laughs> I have the wired headphones and the dongle, and I have the lightning jack headphones, and I have the Bluetooth ones. But when you're going on a trip, are you gonna pack all that stuff? And if you make yeah. the wrong decision, then you're like, I need to charge my phone, but I need music. Like, yeah. and I just don't. 
I, I haven't fully converted to wireless, I guess. Like, I like having earbuds that I plug in. Mm-hmm. And some of that is because, um, I mean, with podcasting, for instance, or if you're recording an interview, you basically, like, that's just what everybody, so many different devices are using the regular headphone jack still. And I mm-hmm. use those for various reasons. And so it's annoying. I do still, I am a defender of Apple for getting rid of the headphone jack. <laughs> of their courage. They took <laughs> courage. No, but I do think it was the right move because I think that these, I totally agree. I've struggled with it's these annoying. exact things. Sometimes I've carried two headphones with me, one for my computer, one for my laptop, or one for my phone. And that seems so stupid. But I think it's a problem for the intern. I do think we are going to transition to wireless everything. Uh, and so when that happens, it'll be a lot easier, but it is a hassle. I am writing, uh, the headphone article for our upcoming buyer's guide and I'm struggling with that exact thing. It's, I, it's hard to tell people to buy like a $300 pair of headphones that will only plug into your phone and you right. can't use on your computer. I mean, I do yeah. have a pair of Q-Adapt on-ear headphones that have the cable so I can use them Bluetooth. I can use them with a cable with the standard yeah. audio jack. And then I also have the the lightning dongle that came with my seven plus. So Mm. I get, but sometimes I don't want to wear something on my ear. I just want like the small little earbuds and how many pairs of different things do I need to have? And I just don't like having to deal with a dongle. I just, I don't, I can't call that a good solution. I don't know where it is at this moment. I'm always having to look for it. Yeah. Well, can I tell you what people are going to probably freak out about at some point down the road? I feel like the lightning cable is going to be replaced by the USB-C cable at some point. Because that makes so much more sense. Yeah, because that, I mean, that is pretty universal. Like, we could just use that for everything. Yeah, then we could use it on our computer because all new computers have USB-C and in our phones. And we have one charger for both. It makes so much more sense. And Apple's probably sitting there knowing that's the right move but not wanting to switch I mean, that's a different kind of courage. Yeah, Yeah. that's real courage, and I don't know that they can do it. Do you guys have complaints in learning for the week? Um, I realized I could lock my Apple Watch during a workout, which is awesome if you're swimming, which I have the OG Apple Watch, so (laughs) yeah, I don't do that, but I'm going to get one I can swim with, and I'm excited about that because I don't know if you've ever showered with your Apple Watch and, like, discovered that you've put your phone in, like, low power mode or switched your, Mm -hmm. your Apple Watch face, but I have, so that's exciting. But you can't, of course, then do things like segments which is my new favorite thing to do when I'm running. <laughs> like you tap the screen twice during a workout and it segments off like the part you were just doing and starts a new segment and then you can look at it later and check your different stats. It's awesome. Yeah. That is cool. Uh, mine is, I talked about it up front in the show. So I broke my iPhone screen the other day. Mm. I was sad Dave, about it. Should you have it? Shouldn't have been running? looking at the sun. Have, well, okay. So it, it was a long time coming. Yeah, I my phone literally fell out of my pocket while I was watching the eclipse. It oh felt my very like something went wrong in the universe that day. <laughs> uh, it already had a small crack, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But here's where my complaint slash learning comes in. I got it replaced. Uh, it was There's somebody who was like literally right next door to where I was watching the eclipse. There was somebody who replaced his iPhone screen, so I, I got it fixed within an hour, which was awesome. Sweet. Nice. But the new screen... It's not as good. And that's I didn't know why. this. No, see, that's why, like, the last time I broke my screen, um, I have had that person replace it before, and it just didn't work as well. And yeah. I broke it, like, right after I got the new phone. Oh, and so I was like, I, usually I break it and then live with it and then replace it on the cheap right before I turn it in for my new phone. Yeah. 
But this was so shattered. I mean, it was like unusable yeah. and just every time I touched it, it would be like breaking more. So I clearly wasn't going to live with that for a year. Um, yeah. So that's why I sent it into Apple. It was more expensive. I was out with, without my phone for days, but it works the way it's supposed to. Yeah. So I just assumed that a screen was a screen was no. a screen. I was wrong. So there's two problems with it. Number one, the colors aren't as clear. Like right. clearly it's a lower quality resolution, which I didn't even think to ask. Number two, and I remember you saying you had this problem. I didn't remember until I started having the problem, unfortunately. But the uh, the 3D touch is absurdly sensitive. Like it's constantly thinking I'm 3D touching when I'm not. Really? Right. Oh, that's that's like the touch sensitivity of the, the screen is work. Oh, yeah. man. And the other thing, like uh, this happened to my husband too. He recently broke his screen is that it's not as visible in light. Like when he noticed yeah. that like if he turns his phone a little bit out of well, and, light, and it's really hard to see anything. That was another concern because I've noticed I don't feel like those screens fit, those third-party screens fit in as well. Yeah, it and doesn't you know, quite fit. And you know, the 7 Plus yeah. is water resistant. And, and I have like dropped my phone in water. It wasn't the toilet, by the way, but it was water. <laughs> and sure. uh, no, it, I know. Why, why the need to qualify that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it, it wasn't. <laughs> so I wanted it to sure. be replaced properly so it would continue to be water resistant because that's a really important feature. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I don't trust that my phone's water resistant. But so the, that's a good little tip. Send it into Apple. Yeah, but it, what Sarah's saying is it's that sucks because you have to go days without a phone. Right, I and I, I, I timed no it really badly. It was, it's, it's like a I think it was right. Break. It was like I think it had to do with um, WW, the timing of WWDC, and I wanted to make sure I had my phone during WWDC and like right after. And that meant I sent it later in the week, and so it ended up taking place over a weekend, and so that just stretched it out. Like, when I sent my Apple Watch in to get repaired, I got it back, like, really quickly. So you have to send it in on a Monday. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good tip, Here, too. Here's my last takeaway from this experience. I have been pretty firmly in the only having a screen protector camp. Now, to be fair, I didn't have a screen protector on my phone at that time because it was already cracked and I figured it was on its way out anyway. But part of my logic in that was that, well, it cost me 40, 50 bucks to buy a case and it cost me 100 to 150 to replace the phone, I'll risk it. But now that I know what, what a hassle it is to replace the screen and that it doesn't quite work right, I'm definitely leaning towards a, making sure I always have a screen protector. I have my Qmatics uh, screen protector on now. But B, I think I'm going to start do- carrying a case. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've learned to love my case ever since I discovered pop sockets. Cause yeah. <laughs> I kind of coordinate all my pop sockets with my cases, and it's really ridiculous, but I don't care. I'm you just going to own you want, it. You guys want to hold up your screen pod, pop sockets for people to see? I mean, see? I've been yeah, trying to avoid people, people seeing people my... making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I have one, like glittery little like. I have a political sticker, so I've been here. trying not to show the back of my screen. <laughs> yeah, but um, there's flowers and this matches, and I have a different one that's like uh, like sparkly hearts with like a little pulse on it on the pop socket. Yeah, it, it it's kind of insane, but I don't I don't care. I I own it. Own it. Embrace it. <laughs> yeah. um, Do you have a complaints in learning, Sarah? Um, it was the locking your Apple Watch. Oh, that's right, right. Which you yeah. unlock, by the way. They don't make it that obvious. You unlock it by turning the digital crown. Oh. Yeah, I actually have a complaint, uh, an absent gear that, like, plays into what you were saying. Okay, go ahead. Um, when I was recently on my trip, I went to this little tea shop, and the owner of the shop was talking to me for a while about Apple, because he asked what my job was, and I told him and stuff. And he really wanted to show me his iPhone case, which was a Rhino Shield bumper case. 
Uh-huh. And it's it, it's just funny because I've kind of forgotten about bumpers. I don't yeah. really think to use them that much. But it's nice because it has like a little lip that that comes out from the front and from the back. So if you drop it on the face or on the back, you're much less likely to break anything, you know, unless there's like a pebble there that sticks out. Um, so the bumper cases are something to think about because it was nice because it shows the entire back of your phone so you're not, you know – compromising Apple's lovely mm-hmm. designs, which mm-hmm. people, a lot of people feel strongly about. Um, and you probably still want to have a screen protector on, especially if you're doing Qmatics. That's like you're not really covering up the design of your phone that way either. Yeah. So Rhino Shield bumper case was there a gear go. that that's I thought cool. you should cool. check that's out. Cool. So I am currently trying to force everyone in the office to run a 5K with me. And if you guys haven't mm-hmm. signed up, you missed the early bird, but you oh, can no. still, you should sign up anyway because it's to fight MS. So. Okay. Um, and there's donuts. So I recently completed the Couch to 5K program, yeah. and now I'm Two using... years in the making. Hey. <laughs> hey I didn't complete it. I started it. from the I beginning again in March. Okay. So five months to complete the nine-week program. Whatever. <laughs> um, but now I'm going to get really fast, and you guys are going to sign up, and then I'll kick your butts. So you definitely will, because I did not complete the Couch to 5K. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's uh, I'm the 5K pacer, and it basically has you do, like slower and faster intervals and helps you it's like an eight-week program which will probably take me like six months to complete and it, it makes it helps you like add some speed oh, cool. to your and it's a 2.99 but i have found like i don't always like paying for apps but with the certain exercise apps like i've found the ones that you pay for surprise surprise are actually better and definitely <laughs> worth it cool um, so my gear of the week, I didn't bring it in, I'm sorry. Uh, I've been writing my headphone review, and we'll probably should do a podcast about all of the ones I've tried out, because I have a ton of them at home. I've been testing them all. But I want to tell you guys about one really unique one that I've been trying, which is, it's called the Here One. Have you guys heard of this? No. It's really cool. Uh, basically, they're little, truly wireless earbuds, so they're really tiny, they fit in your ears. On the outside of the earbuds, though, they have little microphones, and so what it does is it lets you, I, they market it as adjust the, like, the volume knob for the world. So it lets you, you tune out sound. So you can either, if you're at, say, a conference, you can put it on special mode so it like, amplifies the speaker. And you can amplify speaker behind you. I, I don't know why you'd need to do that unless you're like stalking someone. But uh, but it does all these other people. cool things where like if you're in a restaurant, it has a restaurant mode, will turn down the ambient noise and only amplify the person who you're talking to. Uh, it's really interesting. And so it's they're like $300, so they're not cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of new technology, so it's, you know, it's early days, but... It's pretty cool. Though, uh, the yeah. other things that I thought were cool were uh, airplane. You can tune down the airplane noise. Uh, you can do, they have a metro, a crowd, uh, you know, big city modes. So if you're someone who doesn't necessarily want to play loud music to cover up sounds, but you get annoyed by the sounds, let's say you want to read on the subway but don't want music, these are really cool solution for you. Awesome. Nice. All right, guys, this has been a longer episode just because we have so many exciting rumors to go over with you, but this wraps up the 65, 65th episode of the iPhone Life podcast. We're getting to high numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in in two weeks, and we will tell you all about the Apple announcement, assuming Apple sticks to the schedule we've been hearing. So excited. One mm-hmm. quick announcement, too, because we've referenced 
viewing things a couple times on this mm-hmm. episode, we do have a video version of the podcast. If you go to iPhoneLife.com slash podcast, where you can see Sarah and Donna's pretty cases and pop sockets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel like it should be like iPhone life and pop socket life at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, see you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.